Welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. This week, we are hosting a discipleship training week, and our focus is the spiritual disciplines. And this is our second year of running the Discipleship Training Week, and we are pumped. It's our first year of offering the content from the DTW uh, on our podcast, and we hope that it's encouraging for you. We hope that it helps to equip you uh, to live a life of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Hey, guys. um, So I'm Alex, if you don't know me, and I pastor Southern Life Christian Church in uh, Hackham West, or Christie's Beach if I feel posh, Uh, or Norlunga if I don't want anyone to know where it really is. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to chat for a little bit about prayer, and um, if you want a scripture for prayer, Philippians 4 verse 6 is one of my favourites. You can turn to it if you want, it's probably worthwhile having. I haven't got enough room on this pulpit. Philippians 4 and verses 6. Oh, secondary pulpit, yeah, great. So it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And um, I think that's a, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, and you want to follow him, Uh, this verse is one of the most helpful that you're going to have for your whole life. Because it basically tells you, in everything, pray. And uh, I think a lot of us probably get a little stuck on that, right? I've um, I've been pretty lucky. I grew up in a church that really focused on prayer. So we had about, um, probably by the time I left, we were having about 30 prayer meetings a week. I didn't go to all 30, but they were on all the time. And uh, I did used to go to about three a week. And I probably have been in two to three prayer meetings a week since I was five, I would say. You know, just always been in prayer meetings. And as a result, you start to learn what prayer sounds like. And you also start to learn what good prayer sounds like and what bad prayer sounds like. And you might say there is no such thing, but I actually think there is such a thing as bad prayer. Um, And what I mean by that is that there is prayer that has effectiveness to it. And then there's prayer that... You just kind of wonder afterwards, you say, I don't know what happened there, but I'm not sure there was a lot of prayer that happened there. You know what I mean? And so my aim for people, and I spend a lot of time uh, talking about it at my church with young adults, we have prayer meetings as well, is to try and get people to come to a place where they know how to pray, because if you know what you're doing, prayer becomes a lot more alive, and then you do it more, because it's not, it doesn't feel so frustrating, and then you also get answers to prayer, and that's the funny thing, right? It turns out that you, there are ways to pray that get answers to prayer versus other ways to pray that don't. And some people come to me and say, they say, I don't know about prayer. It never seems to work. And that's when I start to ask them, okay, well, what do you mean by prayer? Maybe the problem there is your understanding and what you're actually doing. And so I thought I'd ask a question. I thought I would ask, what is the most important component in prayer? If a prayer is going to be a good prayer... What is the one thing that's necessary? And uh, we won't let Shane answer. He's a pastor. He should know the answer. Um, but if anyone can give me a shot, th- there is wrong answers. <laughs> 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 Sorry? 
<laughs> it's fine. You can answer, and if your answer is not the answer I was looking for, it might still be a good thing, because there might be a lot of things that make up a good prayer. But can anyone give me one thing that they think, when I pray, if this is missing, maybe I wasn't praying. Can anyone think of something? From your heart? Okay, that's probably good. That means that what you're saying is you're not just using written words and you'd like, you know, dear Jesus, thank you for this morning, right? It's actually coming from you. I think that's probably an important component of real prayer. And you can tell sometimes when someone is praying from the heart versus when sometimes when someone's praying because they sort of have to or because it's what they do, right? Sometimes you go to a prayer meeting. And you're in a prayer meeting for five years and there's a lovely soul in the prayer meeting. And every single week for five years, they pray exactly the same prayer. Word for word, same intonation, same thing. And you think, you know, you just think, what's happened there? Why is it that surely they have more to say on their heart? Surely there's more on their heart than that one thing they say every single week. Now, maybe that one thing is all that's on their heart, in which case, you know, I don't want to judge them. But sometimes I I speak to those people and say, hey... You know, um, when you come to pray, why is it that every single time you pray, you pray the same prayer? Is it that you're afraid of asking God more? Is it that you're unsure whether God's going to answer other stuff? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that is an important component. It isn't the one thing I'm looking for, but it is a really good thing. Anybody else got something? Another component is putting God in his place, like adoring and praising God and letting him be the one that's Yep. So enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. If you want to approach God, it's good to approach God, right? As if he's actually God. So that is another really important component of prayer. And sometimes you hear people pray in a way that is um, too casual. Now, now, I'll probably have to clarify that because sometimes really good prayers can sound casual because it's talking to a friend. But sometimes people pray in a way that you feel like, are you sure you're talking to God here? Um, or are you talking to a magic genie? Uh, you know what I mean? Again, good thing, not the one one I was looking for. That's okay. <laughs> We're getting some good stuff because this is stuff I want to talk about anyway. Anybody else have one? Yeah, listening to God. Listening to God? Yep. So that is another, I think that's almost an entirely different kind of prayer. Uh, wait, those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. And there are lots of times where the call from God is, please be quiet and let me do the talking. And that's a real thing. And I think that healthy prayer lives contain... I mean, maybe it's even half of the time in a healthy prayer life is you just you being quiet. And that's where the Bible comes in. That's also where just sitting there in what we tend to call listening prayer, where you just wait and you just say, Lord, this time's yours. Would you speak? I'm just going to give it to you. So I think that is also good. If no one's managed to land exactly the answer I'm looking for, I will give it to you. And you can find it in Mark 11, verse 24. This is the words of Jesus. He says... Mark eleven twenty four, and this is remember this is Jesus explaining prayer to people. He says, "I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours." The most important component of prayer is faith. Do I actually believe that God hears what I'm saying and will answer it? Or do I not believe it? And that is the one thing. And if there is no faith present in the prayer, the prayer doesn't do anything because you don't really believe God's hearing you. Now, you might say, I only have a little bit of faith, and that's fine. Jesus said faith is small as a mustard seed. You can move the mountain. So you don't have to think, well, I need lots of faith. But, but, and I'm, I'm trying to explain to you why it is that faith is so important and how faith works out in prayer. But it's faith 
It, the Bible is full of this. And I know that today, look, there were some people who understood this uh, in the last century and maybe they took it to its logical conclusion and they became what you might call word of faith people. And uh, maybe nobody knows what that is, but there's been a bit of a pushback against that these days because people can be a bit like, oh, we don't want to treat God like a magic genie. And it's not like, you know, if I just believe hard enough, God will do anything. But then I sometimes find people go too far the other way. And they forget that the Bible is the where we got the idea of faith from. And the Bible is so strong on faith. In fact, in fact it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you are doing something and you do not have faith in God in it, it does not please him no matter what it is. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty major thing. It's a pretty serious um, statement that the Bible makes that if you don't have faith, you can't please God. And so if your prayer lacks faith, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't work. And this is where you can see. Okay, so if we link back faith, let's say that what, what is faith? Has anyone got an answer for me on faith? I have to be interactive. Nick, you're a smart guy. What's faith? I'll go with Christian's answer. That's aligning with God. Aligning with God. Um, that sounds like a... I'm trying to, yep, I'm trying to work out how aligning with God. I would say that sounds good, so it must be right. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with it. <laughs> I just haven't heard that answer before. So it's a good answer, aligning with God. Yeah, I think that's right. I think my, my version of faith has always been faith is basically, well, it's like trust. Um, and there's an old illustration, you've probably all heard it. Um, if I trust in this chair, if I have faith in the chair, I sit on the chair, right? Um, I don't know if this chair is going to hold me up. I have no guarantees. Uh, I can look at it and I can sort of, I think it's going to hold me up. Shane can say, no, man, it's okay. It definitely won't fall over. But in the end, I have to actually take a step of faith and sit on the chair, right? That's what I, I think faith is trust. And I do think that it aligns with God because it is coming close to him and knowing who he is. People often wonder, how do I grow my faith? And they think, I've got to grow my faith by sort of squinting hard. Believe. But how do I grow my faith in that chair? Try it out. Let's say I don't, I'm not sure I want to take the leap of trying it out. What can I do before I get sitting on it? Examine. Examine. And the more I look at it, the more I realize it's going to be a sturdy chair. And I mean, I can't guarantee because there could be something in there I can't see. But if I look at it and I come to know what it is, I can trust it. Exactly the same with God. If you want to trust and have faith in God, it actually isn't about looking at you. It's about looking at God. And the more you come to know who God is, the more you will naturally trust that he hears you. And so when you speak, you'll believe he hears you because you know who he is. And so this is where a lot of people get stuck because they, they come to a prayer meeting and I say something like I say, okay, this is what I say in all prayer meetings. I say, I want you to pray what you actually believe for. Don't pray anything else. Pray for the stuff that you believe for. And then people sit there and they go, I don't know if I believe in anything. And I'm like, well, how are you going to fix that? Are you going to fix that by looking at all the stuff that you need and like, oh, well, I've got this problem and this problem and there's all that sort of stuff. I'm going to look there. And then you're like, well, that's all too big. Oh, I can't pray for that. That's too much. I can't believe God for that. Or are you going to change that by looking at God? And as you look at God, you realize that God is able and willing to do anything. In fact, it says he is able to do more than all we ever ask or imagine. So if you look at God, you're like, well, God can do anything. 
And here's my problems, here's my anything that I need help with, or the world needs help with, or my neighbor needs help with, or whatever else it is. And I'm going to come to him and I'm going to ask. And I will believe, not on the basis of who I am, but on the basis of who he is. That is where faith kicks in. And if you, if you believe, Jesus said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That leads us to a good question because that word whatever is in there. Whatever you ask in prayer. What can we pray for? Rob? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so can you define for me whatever? Does that mean whatever? Well, it means that things that are on his heart. You've got to get to know his heart. Jesus says, John 15 verse 6 to 7. 15 verse 6 to 7. Jesus says whatever twice, right? At least. He might say it more times. This makes people uncomfortable. People are like, I can't ask God for everything. Um, God only wants me to pray for the spiritual stuff. Actually, this is something I encounter a lot in prayer meetings. People will come to God in prayer. And you can tell there's an issue that they have a concern for. Uh, Maybe they're concerned or worried about Something little. Okay, I'll give you an example from... No, I'll, say, I'll finish that say, but then I'll give you some stories from my own life. And then you can just find out what God will answer prayers to. But they come, and then you can tell that the burden on their heart is for something close to them. But they don't feel sure that God wants to answer that prayer. So what they do is what I call the run-up, which is they pray for all the big spiritual stuff they can think of before they finally sneak in the prayer they actually want to answer. Oh, Jesus, also, I need some help because my back's sore. You know what I mean? And so they do this big, long run-up. Lord, we just pray for missions overseas. We pray for the pastor, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to move. We pray for all this kind of stuff. And then finally, and also, Lord, I, I need help with this thing. And you're like, that's what actually is on your heart. Why did you feel the need to do the big run-up? Why, didn't, why was it that your relationship with the Lord is such that you don't think you can ask him for whatever. What's going on there? What's the distance? It's like, if you're, if you're a friend, I mean, you think about being a father or a mother. So I was in a prayer meeting once with a Chinese guy, right? He got born again like two weeks before he came to this meeting. And, and, um, and I said to him, okay, we're going to pray together. And he said, oh, you can't do that. You can't pray. And I was like, well, I think I'm supposed to know. <laughs> If you can or can't pray, but that's all right. Why not? Why can't I pray? And he goes, well, you can't ask God for stuff. And I was like, well, why can't I ask God for stuff? And he goes, that's just not how it works. Um, you know, keep in mind, this guy came from a Buddhist background. No understanding of Christianity whatsoever. And I said, okay, let's think about this for a second. I said, you got saved because you believe God loves you, right? And he's like, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, that's great. I said, and in the Bible, it talks about God as a father. And you're like, yep. And I'm like, and you're a father to children. And he's like, yep. So if your child loved you, would you be hurt if your child never asked you for anything? And he was like, oh, that would hurt so much. Because it would mean my child didn't think I cared about them. Like, let's say you've got a kid, and maybe most of the people in this room don't. But your child has a serious need on their heart, something really, some real big issue, some issue at school, some issue somewhere else, and they didn't come and tell you about it. What you feel in that moment is not, well, of course they wouldn't ask me because I'm the father and I'm so grand that that's just ridiculous. What you feel is like, man, why not? Come on, 
Tell me what your problems are. I want to help with your issues. I want to get involved. Please tell me. Now, they might say, like I said to my mum once, Mum, I'm in love with a girl and she doesn't love me back. <laughs> she might say, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> and also, why that girl? What a terrible choice. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this was a long time ago when I was like 12. But like, and God might say to you, Listen, I'm sorry, buddy, that problem you've got, your solution to that problem isn't a good solution. And I don't want to answer it the way you want to answer it. But if you think he doesn't want to hear it, you think he loves you less than your mother loves you or your father or whoever it is in your life that you consider someone loves you. So if you are uncomfortable going and speaking to God about what's going on in your life, the faith that's going on, the lack of faith that's going on in your life is you don't believe He loves you and is interested in you as much as, say, your mother or your father or someone who you would go and tell. That's a pretty big gap there. Something's missing because Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Right? And we'll get on to the abiding in me and the words in you in a second. Let me give you an example from my own life because examples are usually better than talking. Um, I was, so I got called to ministry at like eight That was like, that's what I feel called to do. And um, then there's a journey from being called to actually being, doing the thing. And um, I was homeschooled, so I'm kind of uneducated on paper because homeschooled kids don't pay a lot of attention all the time. But but I came to the place where I got to, you know, you leave school and I was like, okay, I'm going to go off to Bible college. And the door just shut, multiple doors shut. And I felt the Lord say, serve where you are, and, if I'll, and I'll call you when I call you. Like, it's my business. If you're called by me, I'll look after that. And I was like, okay, that's what I'll do. And so then, you should work. And this is a little note for all men. You should always work. You should have something that your hands are doing. And so I didn't want to just sit around and be like, the Lord will call me one day. He shall teleport me out of my couch while I'm playing Xbox. And off onto the ministry field, right? I'm like, so I've got to go to work. And so I started working at 17. I went to work at an abattoir. And I did that for a year. And then I went from there on to working for a guy in the church who mowed, like who had a lawn mowing company. And so I was working for him, and I worked for him for about a year. And about halfway through that year, I sort of got to this point where I was like, well, Lord, I want to serve you in ministry. And it seems like you're saying no to that now. But in the meantime, can I please not mow lawns? (laughs) First of all, it is so hot in Queensland, and grass grows. Like, I have a photo with my brother when we were mowing lawns, and the grass was this high, and that is not an exaggeration. That is how high the grass was. And it grows in a week. And I'm this pasty white guy. I mean, I am not designed to be outside. <laughs> and so I hated it. But I was like, but I haven't got any other options. Like, I haven't gone to uni, and I haven't got a degree, and I haven't got any clear sense of what I should do apart from serve God. But I thought, the only thing I've got is prayer, Right? I haven't got any options naturally, but I have got a heavenly father and I've got a problem and I bet he has a solution to the problem. And so what I did, and I'm not saying this to puff myself up, it was just that I was serious about it. There was a little hill near my house overlooking the airport and I got up about 5 a.m. every morning and I would go and sit on that hillside for about an hour for, I probably did it for six months. I don't know how long I did it for. But I sat there every morning and I prayed, talked to God about a bunch of stuff with your cup of tea in your thermos. But I also asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you provide for me a full-time job that is like a career thing? 
So that if I'm not called to serve you in ministry, I can at least do something worthwhile with my time, you know, that is um, more fruitful or whatever it was. And, and that was my prayer. So it was a bit of that kind of thing. What I was asking for and what I was just presenting before God was, Lord, I don't want to mow the lawns for the next, until you call me to go into ministry field. Can you find me something useful to do? Maybe with aircon. That'd be great. Um, and so I did that for like three or four or five months or whatever it was. I think it was almost six months. And this is what happened. And this is exactly how it happened. There was a guy in the church who was an engineering company. And I have no idea why he called me. But I got a phone call from him one day. And he says, Alex, would you like to come and be my personal assistant? And I was like, sure would. Because it's aircon. <laughs> um, that was his out of the blue, right? And so he just... I don't know why. Called me. My name came up somehow on some list of people he was thinking of. And I was a terrible personal assistant. But while I was there as his personal assistant, he trained me in this other skill called asset management and GIS, which is a sort of specialized skill that, you know, anyway, kind of boring. But, um, and I ended up working in an industry for five years and developing what you would call a career uh, as an asset manager and GIS officer. And so God answered that prayer and he, I didn't do anything. I wasn't applying. I was just mowing lawns and getting up at 5 a.m. and talking to God about the problem. Um, that was all I did. And God answered that prayer. Now, the second thing that happened on that list of stuff, because God was pretty good to me, was that I worked for him for two years. And the job was a little bit volatile. Like he, one week you'd work like 100 hours. The next week you'd work five. And it was just this up and down thing. And I was just a bit, it was a bit frustrating and it was a burden and it was kind of tiring and I just really needed some stability because I was like, I can't keep doing this. And his business was like a bit shaky. There was some concerns it wasn't going to last. And so I was in Africa for a mission trip. And on the plane ride home from Africa, I just prayed the whole plane ride home. And when I say I prayed the whole plane ride home, I didn't repeat myself over and over again. But when I thought about it, I just said, Lord, here's the thing. And I said... Lord, would you provide me with full-time work? And I was thinking about in his company, but I didn't mind. Lord, would you provide me with full-time work, 38 hours a week, that's stable and regular? Could you please sort that out when I get back? That's what I was asking the Lord for. So 38 hours a week, stable work. And I get off the plane, and I was either in the airport back in my hometown, or it was the next day. It was really close after I got home. My boss rings me up. He goes, Alex, a client has asked for someone to come and sit at a desk and do your job, but for them, like basically loan you out. He goes, and I said, what's the terms? He goes, look, it's 38 hours a week. It's full-time work, and you're going to be stuck there for 10 weeks. And I was like, well, amen. Thank you for the job. <laughs> and so I went and did that. And then I went there for 10 weeks. And at the end of nine weeks, I came to this sense of like, man, this is the job that I should be doing because it's just stable. And the other job was really shaky in that 10-week period. And so I again, um, and this time it was for local government, and I was taking over a seat for another guy who had been on long service leave, but he was gonna come back and there was no way you'd get a job. And in local government, it's not easy to kick someone out of local government. Those guys stay there forever. Um, and um, I wasn't interested in someone else losing the job or anything, but I just said, Lord, if it's possible, could you organize this job for me? <laughs> and so I started praying, I started talking to God about it. And one week before my contract was up, the manager comes in and he goes, Alex, we love having you here. Um, and the guy who was meant to come back just quit. Would you be interested in taking his position? And I was like, I sure would. <laughs> I sure would be interested in taking his position. And I also cried at my desk because God is very gracious. 
and he's very kind. And um, that taught me something, something, that taught me something that I have carried with me forever, which is if you ask anything, he hears it. And the process was not an easy one. It wasn't like, it all sounds great now. It sounds like I pray and then magic. But it was like six months of mowing lawns and talking to God about it in the morning and then God answers the prayer. And then it was a year of frustration at that job. That was the answer to God's prayer. And then God answers another prayer. And then it was, you know, 10 weeks of uncertainty and then a week of real uncertainty. And there's been other prayers I've prayed that God has not answered that way. But what I've discovered is that if you'll talk to him about it, he brings you through stuff. And very often, he answers the prayer you've prayed in the way that is way better than you could have imagined. Sometimes he doesn't, but he always brings a conclusion to what it is that you're concerned about. That has been my experience, that when I pray about an issue, God will bring a conclusion to it. And then you say, God's hand was on it. And you're like, he answered my prayer, even if he answered my prayer, no. And sometimes he has answered the prayer, no. Um, sometimes he's really clearly answered it no and I've ignored him and kept asking Um, and then he said no again and I'm like okay I got the picture (laughs) whatever you ask in prayer believe that you have received it and the believing is not a talking up it's actually just a trust thing it's like do you think God hears you do you think God is good and if he hears you and he's good then trust him and talk to him about what's going on in your life um the last answer to the prayer, which I'll give because it um, lines up with what I do now, is that I got to 25, and that whole year I was um, like I was just in such a good spot with work, and it was such a blessing. And at the same time, I was like, man, I want to serve the Lord in ministry. And as good as this is, it's not what I want to do for the Lord, right? Um, and I was having this challenge because when life gets really good. The temptation is always to sort of put God in the back burner. Um, and so I was, you know, working this great job, nine-day fortnight, good pay. There was a girl who was interested in me. And there was this whole life that I could see that was possible that was just the good kind of life. Um, you know, we're living down the beach in Queensland and it's just like a good spot to be. And I was kind of conflicted because I'm like, well this is pretty good and maybe this is what the Lord wants me to do. Maybe, I mean, he's answered my prayers. I got here because of prayers, so maybe this is where I'm meant to be. But I had this real internal struggle that whole year because at the same time, I don't want to be, I never want to be restless. You don't want to be sitting there, oh, I don't want to be here. No. You want to be where you feel the Lord has called you to be and then faithfully do it. And so if he was calling me to work in local government and get married to a girl from Queensland and live at the beach, then I wanted to do it with my whole heart and serve him in it. I didn't want to be the whole time thinking, man, I wish I was somewhere off. And so I started talking to the Lord about it. And that culminated at 25, I was running a prayer meeting. I used to run a 6 a.m. Monday prayer meeting. And on my 25th birthday, nobody turned up. And so it was just me, just me and God. And I'd had a tough year in the sense that it had been a beautiful year, but internally hadn't been with the Lord as much as I should have been. And so I sat there uh, in that little tiny prayer room and I just said, God, what's the deal? If you want me in ministry, could you please tell me or tell me not that, I, that you don't want me in ministry so I can just be settled and do what I'm doing? And so I said, I said that and that was at 
10 a.m. in the morning and it's like 6, 11 a.m. in the morning, I get a text from my pastor. I've got, still got text on my phone. He texts me through. He says, Alex, can we get a coffee this afternoon? And I was like, we sure can. <laughs> we get a coffee. And he goes, this morning I was sitting there and your name popped up because it's your birthday. And he said, I just felt the Lord say, it is time to send Alex out. And I was like, ooh, it's pretty exciting. I asked about that exactly when you sent the text message. And he said, you know, where do you want to go? And I was like, well, I don't know, where do you want me to go? And he said, Africa. I'm like, I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> but what I actually said was, well, I'll pray about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, a week later, my, the Friday, a friend of mine in the church came to me. He goes, man, he goes, can I get your advice? There's a, I was approached a few months ago by a church that we've been friends with for 15 years. And, and they were asking for someone to come and lead the church they want to retire and they've been trying a few people and they came to us a few months ago and asked us to pray about it and my wife and I just have no sense of peace over it we're unsure is it what we meant to do and the second he said it I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was going to Adelaide there was zero doubt in my mind I just was like that's where I'm going um, and then that evening my pastor came and said hey um, instead of going to Africa how about Adelaide um, and I was like well again I'll pray about it but I knew the answer to the prayer already because I'd asked and got it answered. Um, and those are kind of, I guess, the cool prayers. There's lots of others. The principle that I've found in life is if you know God and walk with him, everything you ask for, he is interested in. Some stuff he will give you no answers to. But people, I hear people talk about prayer sometimes. They say, you can't pray for that and you can't pray for that as if God is like a slot machine. And if you pray the words, he has to answer somehow. And then he's like, oh no, this is sinful. I have to do it. And it's just not how God works. You are welcome. Listen, in my experience, if you ask God for every single thing that you ever thought of, he is more than capable of actually teaching you what you shouldn't be asking for. If you've got a relationship with him. And that's where we might go on to the, I think a very important Concept, which is that one in John 15, 6 to 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The condition that Jesus gives, the fine print that he gives to prayer is if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, if you come to know me, ask whatever you wish. And the thing about that is as you come to know the Lord more... You, the kind of stuff you ask for is going to be the kind of stuff that God wants to answer. And you might be amazed at what falls under that category. People, Again, people always think, if I've got God's will, the only stuff I'm going to be interested in praying for is like the church and the lost and all sorts of other stuff. But think about the words of Jesus. He clearly expresses interest in far more of your life than just what you do on a Sunday morning. Clearly. He says, why do you worry about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear? Because the lilies of the field, they're clothed better than, you, than Solomon ever was. In other words, he sees what you wear. He sees how you eat and drink. So if you've got an anxiety or you've got a care about something and you think it's trivial, if you can't pray about it, why is it on your heart? Have you thought about that before? Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you, you're, these are all disciples in this room. 
If something comes up in your life over the next however many years you're following Jesus, and you're like, well, I couldn't talk to God about it, why are you doing it? And why are you thinking about it? Isn't your whole life his? Isn't everything you are belong to him? Aren't you called to serve him and follow him with all your heart? And like pray and love him from everything you are? And so if something is in you that you're like, well, God would definitely not want me to do this, then why are you doing it? Isn't that the answer right there? If on the other hand, it's something like you might think, but God doesn't care about like, I don't know. We had a girl in our church and she was working through prayer. And one of the biggest breakthroughs that came for her was she came to me and she goes, today I was at the shops and she was struggling to pray for anything. But she goes, I was looking to buy tights. And she was like, I just said, Lord, would you please help me buy tights? And she goes, I walked to the next shop and there was a special on exactly the ones I wanted. And I got them. And I was like, people go, oh, don't say that because what you're teaching people there is like God's a get rich quick scheme. But I know what's going on there. That girl for the first time in her life has come to a place where she maybe thinks that God cares about her, all of her. And because he answered that prayer, she'll start asking him for stuff that doesn't, because tights don't matter that much. But if you can't ask your mother or your father to help you with your tights or whatever else it might be, you are never going to help ask them to help you with your struggling marriage or your health or your finances or some other massive thing that you're meant to do because if you don't think they care about the little stuff, the fact is you will not think they care about the big stuff, even if you tell yourself they do. And this has been my experience. That there are people, and sometimes people can take it a little far and they can be a little bit like, Jesus is my magic, whatever it might be. But in my experience, I would rather have gone to heaven having asked God for stuff. He's like, man, that was kind of silly. Why did you ask me for that? Then have gone to heaven and just not have talked to him very much about my life. And in the end, did everything that I wanted to do and not included him in any of it. And you might be surprised. You might think going and shopping for clothes. I've had this experience. I have thought, I'm going to go shop for clothes. I don't need to pray about that because God doesn't care. And then you walk into a shop and you look at a shirt that you think that looks pretty good. And you think maybe I should pray about it. But then you go, if I pray about it, I know what God's going to say. He's going to say, that shirt is too expensive and the only reason you want it is because you want everyone to look at you and say how cool you are. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy it anyway. <laughs> It'd be mates. You talk to God about stuff and it's amazing. Some stuff you thought he would, like, okay, here is a silly example that I have not, well, it was God because I did ask. But you might be amazed at the stuff God will answer and other stuff that you thought, of course he agrees with, when you pray, suddenly you get the no on. And so I was 14 years old and I come from a large family of eight kids and no money. Um, and so all my friends had nice computers and I used to go play with them and I did not have a nice computer. I had a very old computer that barely worked. And one day I was like, Lord, could you help me get a new computer? <laughs> and I can tell you now that my heart was not like, probably in a good spot there. I was not like, man, I want a new computer so I can serve Jesus with my new computer. I just wanted to be cooler around my friends or something. So I prayed that prayer. Two days later or three days later, one of the guys in the group, and I had never said anything to anybody, one of the guys in the group comes to me and he goes, man, uh, I just felt like God told me to give, me, give, me, give you my computer. And he gives me this $3,000 thing that he built with like water cooling and everything else that was just way more than I ever 
could use or need. And I was like, hey, that is crazy. God answered that prayer, and that wasn't even a holy prayer. I'm like, I don't think that was even from a good spot. But I just talked to God about what was going on in my life. Now, here's the great thing about that, if you want a holy application. God really quickly taught me that computers and video games and all that sort of stuff were not for me. And I ended up giving it away, like, not long after anyway. So God taught me that that desire that I had, you know, it was unnecessary. But so many people don't get answers to prayer. They don't even get the lesson that God might want to put them through. They don't get any of that because they stop themselves short at God doesn't care about that thing. Which my answer to that is always, God has to love. If God says he loves you, he must love you at me at least as much as your mother loves you. Or your father, whoever in your life you consider to be a good influence. Otherwise, they love you more than him, which is like blasphemy, right? And so if you would go and talk to your mom or your dad about it, why don't you talk to God about it? And if you wouldn't go to talk to God about it, why do you want to do it? If you follow that principle in your prayer life, you might find that so many things that before you weren't sure about get opened up and a whole bunch of other stuff that you thought, I mean, that's a good thing. God says no on. Talk to God. Believe when you pray. How long have I got left? I've got a few minutes left. Is there any questions and or comments before... I move on. There's many things that You know God already knows. That's a great question. So a great comment. So why do we pray if God already knows? And um, Jesus says, Do not babble like the heathens who think that they are hurt because of their many words, because your heavenly father already knows what you need before you ask him, right? And so sometimes people say, Why do I pray? God already knows. Uh, can anybody answer the question, why do you pray if God already knows? Because he wants you to be in communion with him. Anyone else? That's a good answer. It sounds about right, but anyone else got an answer? He wants want connection with him. Yep. Guide that over necessarily the content. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. I think so. I also, I think that that probably sums up the way I've always approached it, which is, um, if you are married and you say, my wife knows I love her, right? And the marriage counsellor goes like, well, have you ever told her? No, she doesn't need to be told. She knows. The marriage counsellor's going to be like, okay, son, let's sit down and have a chat to you about why God gave you a mouth. (laughs) Because it helps communicate what's going on inside here. And God knows what you need before you ask him. And I don't, I've wrestled through this because I've thought, why do I have to pray? And like, for example, why is it that I had to pray every morning for an hour, I mean, not that I prayed for the same thing. Why is it that God didn't answer the prayer the first time I prayed? Why is it that he seemed to wait for five months? Was it because he was like, nah, I won't give it now? Or like, is he somehow bound up to my... It's like if you pray 10 times, you won't get the answer, but if you pray 11 times, you will. Like, what is it's going on here? But I think that I can see now 
People who say God knows the answer before he asks, so I won't ask. What's usually going on is something's missing in their relationship with God that either they don't want to speak out what's going on, they want to say it. Again, it's like, I love my wife, she loves me, I don't need to say anything. Why wouldn't you say it then? If you love her, why not say it? Ah, Well, pride maybe, I don't want to admit it. Or maybe it's like, I don't know if I can say it right. Or maybe when I say it, she gets annoyed at me. Like, in other words, something's missing from the relationship. That means that we don't verbalize. God doesn't need you to verbalize because he's God. But you need to verbalize because you're not God. So you need to speak as if God needed you to speak. And in my experience, people who don't... Now listen, God will answer lots of your desires or like concerns before you ever ask him. But he doesn't, in my experience, do it very much for people who don't ask. That's been my experience. I know some people who say, well, I don't need to pray because God answers. And my experience for them is they don't get answers. So I'm like, is God answering? Because they come to me frustrated saying, well, nothing's going right. I'm like, have you spoken to God about it? And they're like, well, I don't need to speak. I'm like, well, why don't you just speak? Like, what is it costing you to speak? Why is it that you don't want to? And it's, well, it's, I think it's always rooted in pride. And I think that there is something about coming before God and actually confessing it. Sometimes when I say my thing, like when I go into the store or whatever, and I actually verbalize that loud to God, the second I say it, I know it's the wrong thing. Because in my heart, it was sort of melted in with the deceitfulness of my heart, and my heart made it sound good, and it talked it into being good. But as soon as I speak it out loud, it's like, oh, that is so silly. Of course God doesn't want to answer that prayer. Other times the opposite happens. Other times it's like convoluted in here and then you just speak and it's like, bang! You just know that God's heard you. Listen, Jesus spoke aloud when he prayed. Jesus and the Father were one. He says, I don't say anything without the Father telling me. So his relationship with God was perfect and he still felt the need to speak out loud when he prayed. There's something that that when we have to find the words, something happens in our brain, the science of neurology, and we start to process and we start to work things out, which I wonder is what we're talking about. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that happens. We process it and we start to figure out some of our stuff with God. Yeah. No, I I do believe that's true. And from my experience, when it stays in here... It is easily subject to the confusion and the turmoil of what's going on in here. When it's prayed out loud, very often it's like the answer comes as you speak. Again, I don't think God is sitting there being like, I don't know what Alex needs. But he didn't sign you up. Like in the end, if you want to have that approach to prayer, you might as well just lie on your couch and hope that everything goes right. Because God knows everything and he's in charge of everything and he can do whatever he wants. So why did you? But that's not the way that the Bible speaks and it's not the way history works. When people don't pray, they don't get results. Um, They don't get answers to prayer. When people don't speak aloud. Now, there is certainly prayer that comes from within that is internal. You know, you think of Hannah in the Old Testament. She prayed moving her lips, but she wasn't making a sound. That's a real part of prayer. But I know for myself that the quieter my mouth gets, like as in... If, I, if in my prayer life, I retreat inwards, it isn't long before I stop talking to the Lord and I just start thinking and mulling 
I've done this. I've sat there in my prayer, you know, where I sit to pray, and I've thought, oh, I don't need to speak. I'll just, I'll just be with the Lord. Like, I'm not, not listening, like, it's different. That's the active position of I'm waiting on the Lord. But I'll say, I've got this concern. I'll just think about it. What usually happens for me is that I stop asking, I start just worrying. And instead of getting any conclusion, I just worry about it, worry about it, or I think about it, or I, or I think, oh, and so I don't even pray. But as soon as I open my mouth, and speak it out, and sometimes it's a struggle. There have been some stuff where I, I had been thinking about it for like a month, and I get in the car, which is where I do a lot of my prayer, and I just don't want to say it out loud. I just don't want to pray it out loud. And I'm like, finally, ah, you speak it out loud to the Lord, and it's immediately, all that turmoil gets sorted. The voice of God is clear to you. So I don't know. There could be science behind it. There could be anything behind it. But don't think you are God. You have a voice. God gave you a voice. Use the voice. This would be my principle. Any other comments? When we pray out loud, the spiritual side too. Yeah. And that's true as well. The same with praise. Um, you want to worship the Lord? He gave you a mouth. Use the mouth. There are certainly times where it's okay to do the other. Um... This has nothing to do with prayer, although it has some connection, but it drives me nuts when I go to churches and we're in worship and everybody's quiet. So I'm like, hey guys, what's going on here? Like if you go to a movie, I mean, this is a totally different comment, but if you go to a cinema, a movie with friends and the movie is good and everyone leaves the cinema in silence, do you feel satisfied about your experience at the cinema? No, you, you, you get inside, you're like, come on, someone say something good. <laughs> Because you don't feel that you have participated in that joy unless it's verbalized with your friends. Or, or maybe if they were non-verbal, they sign language or whatever it might be. If they don't get what's inside out, you get frustrated because you're like, what are you thinking? And then people come to the Lord and they're like, here he is. Jesus is amazing, but I'm going to stand here and keep it all in here. And it drives me nuts. I'm like, you wouldn't do this anywhere. If you went to a beautiful sunset, what do you do? How beautiful is the sunset? And if no one says it, everyone finds Someone say it, please. Someone say that the sunset's beautiful. And so it needs to come out. The same as prayer. If you've got desires on your heart, if they're really swirling up in here, talk to God about it and use the mouth he gave you and the tongue and the voice. Get the thing out. And in doing so, you will find that he leads you, he guides you, he does all that kind of stuff. I want to address something that quickly that I think people do wrong. I think it is a sign of a bad prayer, although it probably comes from a good place. Sometimes people, when they're praying, they pray like this. They say, uh, Lord, we come before you, we bring before you Nick. And uh, Nick's got a bad knee or something in this situation. We say, if it's your will, would you heal him? Now, that's a funny one, right? Because it sounds right. If it's your will, would you do this? And then there's, some, there's some examples where that's correct, but it's not, it's not a good way to pray. Um, you got any, do you know why it's not a good way to pray, Rob? You, do you know why it's not a good way to pray? You're hedging your bets. So what you're doing is you're basically... Yeah, that's what everyone says. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus Jesus said... Yep. 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 
No, but not my will, but yours be done. He didn't say if it's your will. He knew the will of God. No. So Jesus says, if it is possible, take this from me. Saying, in other words, God, I've got this other solution. Please do it. But I know your will, not my will. Your will be done. So there was a very active and aggressive thing of no, your will be done. Whereas when we pray, if it's my will, what we usually do is we usually say, Lord, would you heal him? If it's your will, though, you don't have to. That's not the same thing. That is not the same thing. Your job is to know the will of Christ. That's part of what you're called to do. You're, part of, you're called to come to know it. Now, there might be some situations where you don't know the will of God, in which case then you pray, your will be done. But you're active and you're full of faith in that situation. You're saying, Lord, do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to... Trust in you and I'm going to rest in it. But you're not hedging your bets. Again, if, you're pray- like if I'm praying for a job and I'm like, Lord, I need this work. But if it's your will, you don't have to do it. What I'm doing is I'm stepping out like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. But, I'm like, ah, but also, I'm just making sure that I don't tread. What I should be doing is if I'm not sure that God wants to do it, I better find out. I better ask, God, please show me what is your will. The Bible doesn't use if it's your will language. The Bible uses that you would know the will of God, that you would know how to please his will. In other words, the Bible says, find out what is the will of God in the situation. If you don't know what the will of God in the situation is, then say, your will be done. But that's a different position. That's the position of, I've got no idea, God, but I'm going to trust in you anyway. Yeah. character and our faith and what if it's not God's will to heal Nick's knee right now but I'm like well I'm in authority and it's God's will I don't pray as if God couldn't not heal Nick's knee no. I just don't in my heart either I'm asked like either I'm asking God to heal Nick's knee believing he can now of course trusting if he says no but there's a difference between no I don't want to do that Yes, I will do that. And the situation of being like, and it's an attitude. And the reason why, look, you can pray. I said, there's situations where you can use those words. My problem is when I find most people do. I've been in prayer meetings and every single prayer, it's like, and I know what's going on in the heart because I've done it. Maybe you're an exception. But what goes on in the heart is you've got this desire like yes we want to see Nick's knee healed or whatever it might be and you come boldly before God but then there's a second guessing you're like oh but God might not want to do it I don't want to look silly or I don't want to say the thing that's wrong I don't want to and so then you go uh, if it's your will could you do this and what I think you're doing is giving yourself an out you're not boldly coming before the Lord you're kind of sort of yeah, I'm unsure now maybe you think I'm doing it fine in which case that's okay I just I tell my guys, I say, listen, let's ask, like, I don't know, it's kind of annoying when someone comes to you and they're like, hey, Alex, like, it'd be super cool if you could play guitar, but it's okay, you don't want to, um, it's fine, but we would love it, but also it's okay, but, uh, but 
but also you're kind of like, do you want me to play guitar or not? I can say no. I have a mouth. I have a will. I'm able to say no. When you come to God, you should come to God and just say, Lord, here's the desire. Here's the need. And of course, the heart says what Jesus said. Not my will, but your will be done. But that's a different position. Not my will. Like Jesus wasn't confused as to what the will of God was. There was zero confusion in that man. He knew full well the will of God was he would go to the cross. He was just asking, hey God, is there another possible option? And we sometimes face suffering like that. We face suffering and we think, please Lord, if it's possible, would you let me find another way? But not my will, not my desire, your desires be done. Is it just a difference? Can you see the difference in the posture? Am I over-exaggerating? Maybe. But my experience has been a lot of people, they just kind of short-circuit their prayer a little bit and their heart posture. Again, it's like, I don't know, God is big enough to say no to you. He doesn't have to answer your prayer. Um, He doesn't have to heal next knee. God is big enough in my approach he can say no to every single prayer I ask him for from now until I die. That's his problem. But, but he tells me ask. And so I think I'm going to ask. And I don't want to leave a situation where I'm unsure. And if I don't know, and listen, there's been situations where I have really not known what God's will was. Like, you know, um, sometimes I face issues with people in our church and there's an issue there and you're just like, I don't know, God, I, I don't know what the right outcome to this is. But I don't, in those situations, I don't ask for a solution. I ask for God to show me his will. Um, right? Like, so for example, let's say um, there was a couple in my church a couple of years back and they were clearly unhappy with being where they were. And uh, this is when I first came and I was a bit burdened over it because I liked them. They were good people. But I didn't want to pray for an outcome. I didn't want to pray that they would stay. I didn't want to pray that they would go. So I didn't know what God, God's will was. And I was one really careful that I didn't. It's not because God has to answer my prayer, but I didn't want to have a heart attitude. So the problem is if you pray about somebody in a negative sense, like let's say I was like, God, please kick him out of the church. That's such a pain. I, I might develop a really wrong heart attitude towards them. So what I used to do is I used to go and they would sit like, they sat like the second chair across. And so I just went and I used to kneel down right next to the chair and say, Lord, I don't know what a good solution to this is, but would you please fix this problem? Now that is a your will be done kind of prayer. Because he might fix the problem by kicking me out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) He might. He might fix the problem. By someone coming to me and saying, Alex, you are so wrong on that issue where you guys disagree. And if my heart attitude is not right, if it's my will be done, not your will be done, I'm going to say, no way. That's not possible. I'm right. But I'm, not, I'm saying, no, your will be done. I'm not trying to point myself as being a great prayer. I'm just saying that in that situation. And that solution, that problem got solved. The issue was dealt with. God works for me in his own way. And in a way that I couldn't have figured out. That is what I tend to do when I don't know what God's will is. And when it comes to healing, Jesus just says, pray for the sick. He doesn't say, hedge your bets. He just says, pray for the sick. If God doesn't want to heal them, I say, that's between God and them, right? 
He, he may have some plan that you don't know about. And we always should cultivate an attitude that says, your will be done. In fact, you're not going to be able to believe God properly if you don't have that attitude because what you'll end up becoming is frustrated with him when he doesn't answer the prayers the way you want them to, yeah, to be answered. And then you won't pray because you'll be angry at him because there'll be stuff that he just does not answer how you want to be answered. Like, I just want to let you guys know that my stories and illustrations do not, are not here to tell you that all the prayers I've prayed, God has answered anything like how I want him to answer them. I would probably say that way more than half of the prayers God has answered, I'm like, why did you answer it that way? <laughs> but then later, I look back, I'm like, Thank you, praise the Lord, right? God's good. But <laughs> I just want to say, don't hear me tell you that prayer is an easy way to make life just perfect and easy. It's not, but it is the key to walking through life and finding grace and finding favour and finding God's peace with you because you're talking to him. Shane, you radically disagree with anything I'm saying. Jesus knows how to pray for the sick. Heal the sick. He said heal the sick. So Shane's even stronger than, than I am. So heal the sick. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And if God says no, God says no. Right? You think? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying. Um, Shane's welcome to disagree with me. I don't mind being wrong. Um, I just think when you pray, go boldly. Shane quoted it yesterday. He said, we go boldly before the throne of grace with confidence, right? There's such a big difference between how a lot of people pray and that bold confidence that says, God hears me, he's good, he's faithful. And not just that, but he's big enough to say no. Please keep that in your mind. God is way big enough to say no. He is not obligated to answer your prayer just because you went and prayed boldly in the way that you think he should answer. Uh, I think your first scripture as well is really helpful, the Philippians 4, 6. Um, and probably tied in with what you're saying, Lord. And if, if you're anxious about anything, then that is an indicator that you should be praying. Yeah. And swapping out that anxiety for yeah. So the repetitive prayer of praying something that you've already prayed before. Because we tend to, if we worry about something, we worry about it more than once. Yeah. Um, that's an indicator that if you're still worrying about it, switch out the way yeah. of prayer. Yeah. And sorry, Rob, I wasn't trying to have a go at you. I just get excited about topics, so it sounds like I'm angry. Um, <laughs> if you worry about it more than once, why would you pray about it more than once? Yeah. So, so in my experience, when it comes up in the heart, why do I not talk to the Lord about it? And I think you'll find if you talk to God about... Well, I, I, I shouldn't even say I think. I have not yet seen anybody who took prayer seriously, God not walk them through something. Now, I want to be really clear about the walking through business. Um, I said this to our guys. Um, when you pray, God does not necessarily say, I will take you out of the fire. Sometimes he says, I'll take you through the fire. But he will, he will take you through the fire as opposed to you kind of blindly stumbling in and then getting stuck. Um, so please don't think of prayer. Sometimes that's where I think, that is where I think the mistake has been in modern Christianity with prayer is that people have seen it as like a get-rich-quick scheme or an avoid-all-problems-in-life scheme. It is neither of those two things, but it is access to a God who loves you and who has the power and the grace to be with you and who loves to hear and answer the prayers of his people. 
And in my experience, especially pastoring a church, I had a pastor say to me, he goes, man, we've got to pray more because you guys just get so many answers to prayer. And the truth is, um, we just pray a lot. Like, I said to our guys, I don't want to do anything if it didn't, involve, it didn't require prayer. If I could do it without asking God for help, what am I doing? I'm just doing whatever I can do. And even getting up here this morning, if I can get up here this morning and talk, and it, first of all, it can't make an impact on you apart from the Spirit, so I've got to talk to God about it. But if I can do it, and I don't need God's help, I just don't know what I'm doing. Because Jesus was somebody who had to get up every day and spend time with the Lord. And it was like an hour or whatever. Like it was hours possibly. It was from dark until sunup. So Jesus, the Son of God, full of the Holy Spirit, no sin in him, feels the need to spend time talking to God about the day before he does anything. And then there's me, the not Son of God, full of lots of sin. And I'm like, eh, be fine. I can just wing it. Right? And I just think, hey, something's missing there. And then you meet people who walk in prayer and their lives are not, they're not millionaires. But they have got the grace of God there because they're talking to him about stuff. So I really want to encourage you. If that's encouraging, I've got got time, Shane, for anybody to have any other quick questions. Look, if you disagree with me on something, if it's complicated, let's talk about it afterwards. But if it's a a different angle, everyone... Get the idea, Kate. Is that right? You got any thoughts? You made eye contact. So. <laughs> 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 like the fire, I just have the thought of um, sometimes it gets hotter or harder before you get to the other side. Yeah. Even though God's walking with you, you may have to face something even harder than you Yeah, very much. And how does prayer help you in that situation? Um. I like your emphasis on, you know, in the, since Rob spoke, you said, you know, it can be pride, but you also spoke a lot before that about it, often it can be our inadequacy or not being sure that God yeah. cares about us. It's both of those things that yes. stop us speaking out. Yeah. And I really liked your teaching on that, that, you know, come boldly, not in the sense that you're telling God what to do, but that you're partnered with God and know that He's in relationship mm. with us and cares about all of the yeah, sometimes people, sometimes people mistake boldness for arrogance. Uh, and boldness can be arrogance, but the, boldness is, when it comes to prayer, boldness is just accuracy as far as what has God done for you. Like if you don't want to pray because you feel like you're sinful, like you've had a bad week, then you, th- uh, if you don't want to pray, which we all get in that situation, accuracy is saying, I was never good enough to pray. Jesus was only good enough for me to pray. So accuracy says, no matter what my week has been like, I can come before the Lord and ask for help. Right? That's accuracy. Whereas inaccuracy is to say, my sin is now too great for God to accept me or whatever else it is. Right? And so very often humility and boldness and pride, but just accuracy. It's just like, is this true? And that's true with prayer. If you feel the need to sort of grovel before God in that sense of like, oh, I'm so unworthy, I'm so not good enough. There are sometimes times where it's really worthwhile recognizing God's holiness and our weakness. But when it comes to prayer, you, you only have access through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way God ever lets you in. He's never looked at you and said, man, Alex, you had such a great week this week. I'm pleased to have you in my presence. So great. Look how amazing you are. Of course, I'd answer your prayers. 
He's like, no, you're so sinful, but Jesus Christ is so righteous. And it says, the Lord puts on me God's right, Christ's righteousness, and therefore when I step before the Lord, I'm stepping before the Lord with the same favor, and this is biblical, that Jesus has. There isn't any point in your Christian life where you can't come before the Lord. Now, what tends to happen is when we walk in sin, or we stray from the Lord, we withdraw our heart. And then the problem we find is that it's kind of hard to come close to the Lord because our hearts withdraw. It's just like in a marriage or in any other relationship. If you have a period of separation, you can't just immediately rekindle the full flame because, hey, you've got to work through. But on God's end, there's no problem. On my end, there's some problems. So either way, I can still come before the Lord. And I find that the best solution to a heart that's a little bit unsure is just to go. Corey? Yeah, um, just uh, something to add um, with what you're saying. Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, the, uh, path, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who are will eat its fruit. Uh, just like um, with prayer, uh, it's important like, what, we, what we're speaking in that. Like, there's power of life and death in our tongues. So it's not even just the case that it's like we're asking God Whatever God's sovereignty looks like, he has chosen to exercise it through things like prayer. So um, whatever your beliefs about God's control of the world are, if you look at history, he doesn't work unless people pray. So therefore, we should pray, right? Um, that's my, my solution. I'm like, Yeah, as I said, I, I'm, I'm unsure as to... I don't have a view of myself that says, if I don't pray, God can't work. But I do have a view of the way God's chosen to interact with the world that he says, my view is probably if I don't pray, someone else will. And like the thing that Esther, where he says, when Mordecai, not Mordecai, Mordecai says to Esther, you know, you will raise up for such a time as this, and if you don't do it, don't think God won't provide somebody else. So Mike's... Feeling is not that I'm so important that if God goes like, oh no, Alice isn't praying, I guess that's that plan down the drain. <laughs> I just don't think that's how God works, but I do think God's like, hey, Alex, you, you could be the one that works with me on this. And, and it's like, I built, I'll finish, but I built with my dad a biplane when I was like four years old. This little biplane, um, and I've always remembered it because I didn't do a thing at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> Of course, I didn't. I was four years old. <laughs> dad built a biplane. <laughs> I built a biplane with Dad, and I've always remembered it and cherished that moment of building a biplane with Dad. But Dad did the building. But I was so glad that Dad did the building with me, his son, as opposed to somebody else. Because, if you know what I mean, and I do think, to be honest with you, that's how prayer is. 
I don't think when I get to heaven, it's going to be like, you know, in comes Alex and the half the world has changed because of Alex's proud. I think it's going to be like, look, God built a biplane. And he happened to let Alex be a part of that. And then we were like, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I just want to build stuff with you. And when I say I build stuff, I want you to build stuff. And me just be sort of sitting there like a kid, just sort of walking around. But Dad did paint it the color I asked for. So I was involved. <laughs> Anyway, I think that's probably enough talking from me. Um, why don't we pray? Is that okay, Shane? Yeah, I reckon it would be awesome to hear yeah, from Yeah, all out loud together? Whatever you like. Is that, that's called, that's called Tongsin, Tongsin, Tongsin Do, which is called Korean style prayer. Um, yeah. It's all out loud together. Does everyone know that one? <laughs> Tongsin Do or? <laughs> uh, Korean prayer, they pray all out loud together. Um, I think it would be good if everyone prayed. I think that you all should. You've all been saved. You've all got access to the Father. I do not have better access to God than you. Please. That is not true. Shane doesn't. Maybe he does to me, but... (laughs) Nobody does. If you are in Christ, you have full access to the Father. And I'll just... One real quick comment. When you're praying with other people, don't worry so much about what they think. Worry about what the Lord thinks. And I'll give you a quick hint at a good prayer with other people. You should pick one thing that you actually believe for and you should pray with confidence about that. Lots of people, when they're trying to pray with other people, they pray long prayers to try and impress them. Don't do that. If your prayer, I said that we had a guy in our church and he was unsure about how to pray with people. I said, mate, if all you pray is, dear Jesus, please save whoever. Amen. But you believe it. That's a better prayer than the guy over there who prays for half an hour, but he's sort of just kind of like wandering. You know what I mean? So when it comes to this kind of prayer, I think what we might do is maybe we can just divide, if it's okay, divide into some groups. Alex, and Yes. Do, yes, sure. So here's what I would say. Um, when Jesus is talking about that, so you've always got to look at the whole Bible. So you have Jesus says that, but then you have the New Testament practice of people praying together. So it's like, okay, well, either the New Testament, right after Jesus completely forgot Jesus' words, and they were like, well, ignore that, or Jesus didn't mean to, to the exclusion of public prayer. When I pray with other people, what I'm doing, Jesus says, if two or three of you ask anything in my name, right? It'll be done for you on earth as it's done in heaven. So I view corporate prayer, as in praying for the people, as an opportunity for me to join in my agreement with another. This is the way I, this is the, it's probably it's a crude illustration, but I do think it's a good illustration. Um, protesters, right? They go before the government. If there's just one guy there with a sign, it's like, cool, there's a guy there with a sign. Um, maybe he's a nut job, maybe he's got a valid point. But if it's thousands of people coming together as one, it has an impact. Now, I don't think God is sitting there callous in that sense, like maybe the politicians, they don't care. But I do think that the principle, if it applies in one area, it probably applies across. And that when 
you and I lay down our own personal preferences and our own sense of self-consciousness and our own sense of, am I better than you or not? If like Nick and I get together and I'm a pastor and Nick's not a pastor, if I can't pray with Nick, is it because I think I'm better than Nick? Maybe it's because I think I'm worse than Nick. But maybe if Nick and I can lay all that down and we can just focus on God together and say, Lord, would you please do whatever it might be, that there's something sweet to God in that because it's God's people coming together. So I really think that a lot of your prayer should be private. That's a different sermon. But I do think that... (laughs) I do think that maturity in prayer comes a lot from when you pray with others because... There's something about our relationship with God is only as good as our relationship with his people, in my experience. That's a really quick sentence that maybe people can disagree with. But my view of the world is that God says, if you love God but don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. So therefore, my relationship with God is only as good as my relationship with his people. So if I can't agree in prayer with his people, maybe something's missing. Anyway, we can talk about that another time, but not this week. Uh, (laughs) For now, why don't you just, at your table... If there's too many of you, don't go more than three. Um, and I, what, I'm like, what I get you to pray for is I get you to pray for each other for the grace to pray, right? <laughs> so there's a great one. I want you to ask the Lord and I want you to ask with confidence that God would help each of you to actually be able to really come into God's presence and pray and have faith. And if you confess to someone like, listen, I really struggle with prayer or I find it hard to pray in groups, pray for that. And just pray confidently, pray boldly. The prayers shouldn't be that long. God doesn't need long prayers. Is that a happy shame? It's great. Okay, I'm just going to quickly pray and then you guys can pray. With lots of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you have allowed us to come boldly into your presence. And Lord, I ask that you'd help each of these guys to do that. And that Lord, for the rest of our lives, all of us would be people who are so willing and able to step into the presence of God that we aren't afraid of you in that sense of shame, fear, Lord, that we have an awe of you. We have a holy fear of you, a reverence of you, but Lord, knowing that we can come before you like children, you didn't lock us outside of the living room. You brought us into the couch through the work of Jesus Christ. And so we want to pray. And I ask that you fill these guys with faith, that they would all be able to believe what they're asking for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So pray for each other quickly and then... Morning tea. Morning tea. Great.